return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. The rest of us, let's stand for a minute. Did you bring your Bible? Say it with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Have the video on back there? Hallelujah. We welcome people joining us today uh, via Facebook or uh, YouTube or just off the website. We welcome you from around the world. We just welcome you. We bless you in Jesus' name. I'm going to share an apostolic message today. It's, it's again abounding a, a in hope, but uh, just a few things we want to share that are very important to us currently. Amen. Very important to us currently. Romans chapter 8. Let me just read this again. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. We're saved in this hope. Hope that is not seen. Hope that is seen is not hope. Why does one hope for what he sees? You already have it. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So hope, hope is key in our lives. Hope will keep you alive. All right? We're talking about abounding in hope. Hope will keep you alive. And especially, not just natural hope now, but we're talking about spiritual hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. Hope in His Word. And, and uh, people, people miss it. They're, they're looking in the natural so many times, but the answer is when we look up. And it is found in Jesus Christ. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2 then... It talks about just the state of the world, and it says that, that at one time we all were separated from Christ, all right, as Gentiles, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promises. So at one time, we were on the outside looking in. But when you receive Jesus Christ, you come to a place of, of realizing the promises of God are for me. You can personalize those promises for your life. Now, this is, this is something that we want to practice, but it's also something you want to export. You want to give it away to other people. And this, is, this is just critical. What you know in the Bible to be true, you want to tell others. Specifically, that should begin in your family. It should begin with your children or your grandchildren. You should be sharing things that are in the Bible that give us, give us truths for today. Amen. So, so otherwise, when we're outside of that, the world, we're without hope. If you're without God in the world, you're without hope. This is where the world is at today. So the world is trying to do everything in the natural to try to take care of itself and to try to 
live life as they see it should be lived. But without God, you have no hope. If you remove the anchor, I brought an anchor today. I should have got a bigger one from Kurt, but it's heavy. But if you remove the anchor, if you remove the anchor of the Word of God, if you remove the anchor of hope, Jesus Christ, like anybody, you're going to begin to drift. Okay, so anything, any, any say boat on the sea, if there's no anchor, whatever direction of the wind is blowing, that will blow that boat in that direction. All right. Left to itself is going to come to harm. If you have an anchor, the anchor brings stability to your life. Okay, stability. The Bible gives us stability. The Bible not only helps us for today, but it helps us to our whole life into eternity. All right. So without the promises of God, without God, there is no hope. But Jesus came and brought us near. We're brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we as Christians should live with hope. Now the anchor then, the anchor then causes me to be stable. If I'm attached to it, I might be pulled in different directions, but it causes me to be stable. Amen. It causes me to stay in the proximity of where I want to stay. All right. So it keeps me, it keeps me within that sphere of where God is. That's the anchor. The anchor, of course, we would see as Jesus Christ. Now, let me just address, of course, the Brookings Register article that came out last Friday. Let me address the letter that came to all the, the high school parents that came out last week. And in the letter was a survey. The Brookings High School did a survey to their own students. The survey was done in the spring but here's the result of their, their survey. 37% of students reported being frequently depressed and or attempted suicide. 37%. Now, Brookings has about 896 students. You do the math. They said 26% of our current seniors have tried to kill themselves. Think of it. 20, 26% of our current seniors have tried to kill themselves. Let's go lower. 23% of the current sophomores have tried to kill themselves. 23% of the current sophomores at Brookings High School have attempted to kill themselves. See, most of the time, of course, when there is any attempt of suicide, it's not public. It's not made known. And yet, by their own statistics, it shows the gravity of the situation. Now, it goes deeper than that, because in the, in the Brookings front page re- uh, article from the school board meeting last Monday night, it talks about total erosion of authority in school. Now, it's not just Brookings. This goes to all kinds of schools. But what happens, if you remove the Bible, if you remove the Bible from a setting, you remove respect of authority, Right? You remove any sort of things that would hold us in a place of, of uh, blessing, all right? So, so you've drifted, all right? So you have no authority. You have no value for life. We see this in our world. Value of life has been diminished. And so teachers find themselves in a place where students are out of control. 
So we have students that walk in a building and actually never attend class. And this isn't just Brookings, of course. This is a lot of places. But it shows the gravity of the things that we are facing today in our society. Now, back in 1962, there was a Supreme Court decision that removed prayer, public prayer, from high schools. All right? Supreme Court decision. Madeline Murray O'Hare was a woman who was an atheist, and she had a son named William. And when William went to school, that occasionally people read a Bible or they said the Lord's Prayer. And so she fought that. She became famous for that as an atheist and used your son William in all the court decisions. And so in 1963, the Supreme Court passed or expanded the, the, the verdict and so forth that the Bible could not be read in schools. Lord's Prayer could not be said in schools and to, in public schools to clamp down on all these areas. And of course, consequently then, many schools, including Brookings, would ban, like the Gideon ministry, from handing out Bibles. Because the Bible was considered a banned book in this town also. Now, we love Brookings, and we're here in Brookings. We have to understand that when we start banning things, and of course, this isn't here, this is the federal thing, but when you ban things, you're now saying no to the very one who can help you. In the 1990s, I went over to the Brookings High School, and I brought with me, how many of you ever heard of the ministry called Focus in the Family? Okay, Focus in the Family, uh, they have, you can take those off the screen. Focus in the Family has family research policy, different things like that. It's based in Colorado Springs. And so they have many things that would help young people, students, teachers included. So I went over to the Brookings High School, had a meeting with the principal. And I brought these magazines. And I said, met him, said who I was, so on and so forth. And I said, now these things could be a real blessing to teachers. Maybe you could just set them in the teacher's lounge. And he looked at me with a very disgusted look. And he said, that's hate literature. And I, I kind of sat back in my chair and said, what? I didn't expect this response. And he says, that stuff is hate literature. We will not have that in the school. We will not have it in a teacher's lounge. He was very, very clear. This is 1990s. Now, I thought, how can that be hate literature? But, of course, if you, if you go to the Southern Poverty Law Center, this is an organization that the government follows Government listens to, and they list any organization, any organization that follows the Bible, following Jesus, they're hate organizations because they don't adhere to the politics of the world. Now, we talk about persecution. Okay, so this is how the classification is. Okay, if you're, if you're going to follow the Bible as it is, you would be considered a person of hate. Because you're not following the trends of the world. So I learned something that day. That not only did they not want it, they considered it hate. And they wouldn't tolerate it. And I thought, wow, this was the 1990s. I thought, where have we gone here? The scripture says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 just says that the scripture is inspired. It's profitable for us, right? Profitable for instruction and reproof and correction. 
right? For discipline, for training in righteousness. You know, godly living. So we could be complete or fulfilled, proficient, well-fitted, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So now, this is the Scripture. Now, we would term the Scripture as being the Bible. If you remove the standards of the Bible, what happens? If you remove the standards, if we get rid of the anchor, right? We get rid of the anchor and say, you know, we don't want this. Let's just get rid of it. Give it a hee-hole. And all of a sudden now, now what happens? Now there's no standards. Now, of course, keep in mind, keep in mind that worldwide there are standards. There's the International Institute of Weights and Measures that's in Sevres, France, that certifies a leader is a leader. Okay, or a meter is a meter, or a kilometer is a kilometer, a mile is a mile. Uh, whatever the unit of measure is, there is a standard for it, and it's worldwide. We have standards in our country. If you're going to drive a car, you'd be wise to drive on the right-hand side of the road. If I'm in India, I'm going to drive on the left-hand side of the road. Why? Because those are standards for those areas. Now, when it comes, though, to our social life... People say, I don't want any standards. The Bible, you can't have the Bible. That Bible is too strict. That Bible isn't applicable today. And so people then think they can do whatever they want to do. That that they don't have to follow any standards. However, they're following standards all the time. Get my point? Everything you buy has a standard. Everything you buy has ingredients and everything's listed and so forth. Standards. However, the same thing goes for us biblically. Whether someone wants to say it or believe it or not, there are standards in the Bible. And if we follow the standards, we will be anchored in a place of safety. As I mentioned before, I was sharing at one of the Lutheran churches in town. They had the vote coming up on gay marriage. And, and uh, uh, so I'm sharing with all the adults and a number of people. It seems like whenever I go to places like that, it's packed. And so the question, I was ready, the question is going to come up. Well, Reverend, no, so we have this with gay marriage. And now where do you stand? What, do, what are you going to do? So the thing is, folks, listen, you can't just think, you can't tell your kids, you ought to do this. You can't tell someone, this is what you should believe. Your opinion in the court of the world actually means nothing, and you're going to get into an argument. But if you default to go back to just simply, what does the Bible say? So repeating scripture from Matthew, that he made them male and female. Father leaves his mother, is joined unto his wife. The two shall be one. Reading the scripture to them. Then I read it again. And when I finished reading it for the second time, all I'm telling them is, here's my anchor. And I said, well, I think I'll just side with the Word of God. And some adults are like this. Their heads dropped. And another one who I knew said, I thought you'd say that. If you don't have an anchor, I talk to young people. I talk to, I talk to all kinds of people. You know, what does the world say? Oh, there's all kinds of genders. Oh, there's all kinds of things. There's dozens and all things like, all kinds of things like that. 
See, if you remove the anchor, pretty soon it's not just male or female. It's not even just gay and lesbian. Pretty soon it's something else, something else, something else, something else, and you've drifted and drifted from the anchor. The devil is a pro at making people look foolish. We have people nowadays saying they're animals. I'm a cat. I'm a dog. Think it's funny. They're real. In schools, cat ears, cat whiskers, cat tail. And that's how they believe. I'm a cat. Or I'm a dog. Can't believe the things that are on TikTok. Don't go looking for them, but they're there. But my grandkids have showed me. And so here's a lady, and she's a dog. And her boyfriend is her master. Patting her on the head, and she gets treats. You will drift farther. People think, oh, there's just a number of genders. No, there'll be no limit to genders. Someone wanted to marry their car. Because if I'm serious. Because they feel so good in it. Feel so good in it. I just feel one with this machine. Now think about this. If you take the Bible out of our thinking today, now you're creating whatever you want to create. Bible's pretty simple. And the Bible, in the Bible, there's always safety. Ah, anchored here. Now the wind may blow. Dave, you're out of you're out of order. Dave, you're not in tune with society. But if you stay to the anchor, to the God-breathed word, which is profitable to us for instruction, all right, helps. Everybody can have a mind that wanders. That's not the point. The point is, if our mind, if we're anchored in the word, it's going to bring us back to the truth. Right? So here, ah, okay, there's scripture. All right. I'm peaceful there. Now, think about this. We don't know other schools, but the fact these statistics were made public in the Brookings Register, public in the school board. And, of course, in the natural, people don't have answers. See, what would be a natural thing? Well, we've got to hire more counselors. That's okay. It's natural. Well, parents have to talk to their kids. You know, don't kill yourself. That's good. But that still doesn't get down to the thing you need an anchor. There's only one place you're going to find real hope, and it is in Jesus Christ. That is the only place. It is in the Word of God. So we could look at all kinds of things that could help treat symptoms, but unless we get to the root of the matter, okay? See, there'll be a meeting of the Brookings Ministerial Association this week on this topic. However, most of them have already told me Already by their actions and in previous meetings, we don't believe the Bible anyway. So this is not their answer. Their answer is, oh, I just got to talk to people. And it's good to talk to people. It's good to have a conversation in your house. But the conversation should center around, what does the Bible say? Well, Papa believes this way and Papa thinks this. That's true. However, let's look right here in Scripture. This is what the Scripture says. Oh, and I said, now you have a choice. You can follow the scripture, you can follow the things of the world. You can live in the peace of God, or you can live your life on the rocks. Take that off the screen, Jeremy. So the scripture, the scripture 
gives us a foundation in which we live by. Jeremiah 29 says, after 70 years, they were hopeless. You know, it's hopeless. You know, they were in bond, they were in uh, captivity for 70 years. Verse 11, God still, though, has good plans. God still has. He says, I'm going to visit you after 70 years. And he says, I know the plans, and they're good plans, says the Lord. Plans for welfare, peace, not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. So the plans that we want to present to people, is our world in crisis? Well, the answer is yes. And sadly, a lot of the church is in crisis. Because the church itself, we can champion reading the Bible, but unless you read it, it won't do you any good. You can say, I go to this church or that church, and that's great, but unless you plug into the Word, it still won't help you. See, it's not like this just, we're there and just downloads on us. Oh, this is wonderful. I know the Scripture. No, no, no. The way you know the Scripture is you read the Scripture, you plug into the Scripture, you apply it to your life. So, in other words, the question comes up in life, there are things should be, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? You know, years ago even, in our state, uh, we had a person in our church helping in peer. And, and so we defined marriage in our state. And it was, it was a whale of a battle. So the, the, the old law was just simply, or the old statute just say, that marriage is between two people. Well, they changed it. We changed it, helped change it, to the place where it says that marriage is between one man and one woman. Boy, was there a fight in Pierre. This goes back about 12, 15 years ago. Hellacious fight. Because people did not want those terms in there. They did not want, want those terms. But hallelujah, it passed. So it's in the statutes that marriage in South Dakota between one man and one woman. Of course, a lot of churches don't care. They'll do whatever they want. But you can see the battles that rage. If we, if we pull away from Scripture, all of a sudden, we have more issues than we know how to handle. We have people defiant in high schools. Talk about an uh, erosion of authority, and we have this in our country. People are uprising against the government for one thing or another. Kids see their parents, they're uprising. We have uprisings in churches. Churches are being poured, torn apart. Amazing. We have uprisings over, over a vaccine or this or that, and people are angry. And then it would be any wonder that kids in high schools say, go to teach, say, I'm not going to believe what you say. I'm not even going to go to your class. Let me just say this. You would not believe how much the F word is used in schools. You would be shocked at some of the antics that go on in schools. I have connections. Not good. If we drift, if we drift, our values drift, everything drifts and anything goes because there's no standards. Proverbs says this, Proverbs 13, hope deferred. Now deferred means it's delayed, prolonged, drawn out. No, so we're hoping, we're hoping for something good, <clears throat> something good to happen. But when it's deferred, we become... What, what, the Bible says their hearts become sick, but we become, become disappointed. We become discouraged or we're frustrated. <laughs> unanswered prayers. I mean, who's had unanswered prayers? Well, I think we all have. 
So you're believing God, you're trusting God, and it doesn't happen. doesn't mean it won't happen, but when it doesn't happen when we want it to happen, yeah, very discouraging. And that happens, of course, when it could be your marriage, could be children or your job or school. It could be little things like losing weight, frustrated. could be things when we were believing for a church facility many years ago, very frustrating because we believed for, for years, <clears throat> nine years believing for a building. So about the time you think something's happening, an open door, and then a closed door can be frustrating. So hope deferred, but doesn't mean that it's not going to open, right? In our book, like, like White, uh, White Knuckle Faith, that roller coaster of emotions. But what are you going to do when there's a roller coaster of emotions? You feel you're excited and so forth. It doesn't happen. And all of a sudden, the wind blows. And you feel discouraged. Well, if you've got an anchor, it doesn't change my relationship with God. It doesn't change my faith. It doesn't change what I'm believing. Because I've got an anchor. So the wind may blow and I may feel very discouraged. You could be down, could be depressed. doesn't change the word of God. That's the whole thing about being anchored to the word of God. Anchored to Jesus. Having your hope in him. But notice, when the desire comes. So God is going to answer prayers. He's answering prayers all the time. Of course, and even in Hebrews, some people died in faith. They didn't see the answer in this life, but they died in faith believing. So you still are putting your faith out there to believe God and to trust him. Amen. When the desire, when the desire comes. Now, it says this in Zechariah 9, that they had been in a dry place, but they got released out of a dry place. All right. Uh, I released and sent forth your imprisoned people out of a waterless pit. Released from a dry place. Return to the stronghold, security and prosperity, you prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. Just, just constantly believing, oh, God's, God's working, something's going to happen. Believing for better things. You should write down, believe every day for better things. Amen? So you return, you're, you're, hank, you're anchored in there, right? You're anchored in. Prisoners of hope, even today I declare that I will restore double for your former prosperity to you. So, prisoner of hope, hope causes us to go forward. Amen? Hope causes me to think tomorrow's going to be a better day. And it will. Some people, some people stay at light. The Bible just says, don't stay up late, you know, uh, uh, grieving and all sorts of things. Just go to bed. A new day comes tomorrow. We've been delivered from a dry place, but hold on, stronghold... Prisoners of hope, anchored in, tethered in to Jesus. Now, even as people are listening to this, this is something you can share on the video. Something you can share with other people, give to other people, help other people. But a lot of people would think that's too simple. Pastor Dave, that's that's just too simple. Pastor Dave, that doesn't work in the world today. And amazingly, it does. It has for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Word of God works. The Word of God gives you safety. It's not outdated. There's no expiration date on the Bible, all right? The Bible is always in season for what you need today. So you have to keep going back to it to look and see where the pressures in Jesus say, oh yeah, there was lots of pressures. 
But when you're anchored to Jesus, you're anchored in the Word of God, you don't change. You're, st- you're steadfast. Galatians 6, 9, you know, says uh, the scripture, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do lose not heart, all right? And again, this is really dealing with hope, all right? Keep doing good regardless of what you see, amen? The Word of God is the Word of God. Maybe, maybe the medical report isn't improving, all right? Maybe your marriage isn't getting just better. Maybe things aren't, maybe nothing, you don't see anything good happening, However, when you're anchored in Jesus, you can keep holding on to him. We, we want to put time limits on God, conditions on God, things like that. And all he wants us to do is trust him. He does, he doesn't, you don't need to figure anything out. He just wants you to trust him. Theodore Roosevelt said, when you, you know this quote, when you get the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. Well, that's what you do. But if young people today, and it's not just young people, old people, the suicide rate is probably as high in seniors as it is in teenagers. People just don't talk about it. Oh, they died. How'd they die? We just don't talk about it. But if you have hope, then there's always hope for tomorrow. Folks, people end their lives when they're out of hope. If there's no more hope, there's no reason for living. What do we have to offer the world? Everything that Jesus has. The Bible says he's the God of hope. It's all about hope. It's all about the life and relationship that we have with him. But if young people don't hear it, and if you don't talk to your own kids about it, then people just drift. Oh, yeah, they got problems. Oh, they got problems. Let's get together. Let's talk about our problems. No, we want to give them hope. Jesus, everybody has problems. There's no one on this planet who does not have problems. Everybody has problems. Everybody faces problems. It's just how do we face them? We must face them with the scripture and hope in God. That's how we face them. That's what gives us stability. Don't let what you see talk you out of what you know. Amen? You've got to stand on the scriptures. In due season, you will reap. You will reap. We shall reap. You will reap. You will see an answer if you just hang on. Amen? I mean, it's like, it's like taking this and tying it around yourself, right? Tying it in a way that Man, I'm just going to hold on. Amen. That's where we got the whole thing of white-knuckle faith. Amen. It's just that I'm, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to believe God for whatever comes, whatever happens. I'm not going to depart. I'm, I'm going to hang in there for as long as it takes. Amen. People say, well, what if you don't see your answer? You, you live in your whole life. What if you don't see it? Then I go to heaven. <laughs> okay, I go to heaven. I have a hope in heaven. I have a hope of eternal life. The Bible isn't a book to win you a popularity contest. It's not. It's a book that gives you stability in your life. If you hold on, you'll be safe. If you depart from that anchor, then you're going to drift. Does that happen overnight? Destruction? No. But look over the course of decades what's happened in our country. 
But look what's happened in a lot of countries. If you remove the Scripture, if you remove that hope, then you have nothing more to stand on, right? Hebrews 6, verse 18 and 19. Hope is an anchor. Hope is going to give me stability, all right? So, so it says, we hold fast the hope appointed for us set before us. This hope is sure, steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. It's an anchor for our salvation. Amen. We talk about persecution. What keeps me strong in persecution? Well, my anchor in Jesus. What keeps me strong in all the winds blowing? Well, my anchor in Jesus, right? And we're all tempted. We can, we can be going this way or that way. We're just, oh, wait, wait, I got an anchor here. That's why we would say be in your Bible all the time. Why, why do we have a lot of issues we have today? Because people don't know the Bible. People actually think they can do whatever they want, and it's okay. And don't realize that, there. yes, there is a supreme being, and his name is Jesus Christ, and there are standards. And if we follow those, we're blessed. If we don't follow those, we're actually cursed. You can be a wonderful family. You can have lots of money. You can be prestigious and this and that. And yet your house can be hell if you don't have a standard. You could be the poorest family that has nothing, don't own your home, live on, live on the government or whatever, and yet if you have Jesus, you've got everything. Some people think they can be immune from situations because they have money and they have status. We have to do things. Let's hire, let's hire counselors and so forth. But you're only scratching the problem. You're not dealing with the problem. The dealing with the problem comes with our identity. What's my identity? Well, my identity is in Jesus Christ. He is the one. He is the one that I'm tied to through the blood of Jesus. All right? I'm, I'm set on him with the blood of Jesus. He is my identity. That helps me to see myself However, anything in life, your gender, your calling, your purpose, why are you here? If you're looking at him, if you don't have that, then all of a sudden everything is fluid, right? There's nothing holding on anymore to keep me stable. First Peter chapter three, we shared, shared this before, but. 1 Peter chapter 3 says, Sanctify the Lord God. Be ready to give an answer to everyone. Now notice a reason for the hope that is in you. Hope should live in you. Why do you get up in the morning? Well, you get up because of hope. What happens when we're depressed? We don't want to get up. Because we're losing hope. So hope, hope causes you to get up. Hey, Hope causes you to set your alarm clock. Hope causes you to want to go to your job. Hope causes you to want to treat your spouse right. Hope causes you to treat your classmates right. 
We're always telling, we're always telling uh, uh, our grandkids now, you know, look for those that have, maybe they're a loner, maybe they don't fit in. Maybe they got cat whiskers. Maybe they got dog collars. Kids are wearing dog collars. Identifying with animals. All the situations in life. And everything about it just screams, I need help. And the help comes through Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not a preaching thing. It's not like you're better or something or someone else is worse. No, no. It has everything about giving life. Offering life to people. Consider what the Word of God says. Specifically, you're in the New Testament. Amen? Amen. Consider what the Word of God says. Offer life. You're offering hope. Hope should live in us. In Jesus' name. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. says, Your work is produced by faith. This is toward ministry. As Paul addressed this, he says, uh, uh, Remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. But we could apply this to again to our family, our job, our marriage, school. We could apply this to all that, that your work is produced by faith. Yes, your service prompted by love, but your patience and endurance is inspired by hope. Hope. Say hope. Hope is a good word. Hope is a good word. It's a word that we want to export and, and tell other people about Jesus and let them know how good God is. Amen? So what happened to Madeline Murray O'Hare? Well, in the 1990s, she was murdered. She was kidnapped and murdered by people that worked in her own organization, her own atheist organization. What happened to her son, Bill, William, William O'Hare, the guy that was in all the lawsuits and so forth for atheism and, and uh, getting the Bible out of schools. What happened to Bill? Well, Bill had a roller coaster of a life. And he went through a lot of issues. Not good issues and so forth. But like a lot of people, people will hit bottom. Not always, but it's always good if, if they hit bottom and look up. Not everybody does. But you hope they do. And Bill did. So one night, Bill, this is in the 1980s, Bill had a dream. The dream, there was different things that happened, but at the end of the dream, there was an arrival of an angel that had a gleaming sword, and the sword tip came down on an open Bible. And he saw this in a dream. And so the book that his family had worked so hard to get out of schools became his saving grace. And he looked to the Bible... And he got saved. And he gave his life to Jesus. And he discovered that Jesus loved him and just as much as he loved anybody else. And he invited others and spent time telling others about God's amazing, saving grace. And Bill got anchored. Anchored in Jesus. That's the thing about the Lord, isn't it? I mean, people make mistakes, don't they? People do things they think they're totally right, but totally wrong. Saul thought he was totally right, but he was totally wrong. And he gets converted. That's why you've got to love the sinner, amen? That's why you've got to love people that maybe look totally obnoxious and I don't like them, but I'm going to love them. How you treat them, how you speak to them, how you 
reach out to them. Folks, all around us, all around us, people have needs. That can be right in our own houses. People have needs. The answer is Jesus. It's not complicated. I tell people all the time, not complicated. It's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, you're safe. If you don't, you're on dangerous ground. So, Romans 15.4. Let's close with a couple of verses again. We hold on to the word of God. William O'Hare <laughs> gives his life to Jesus. Hallelujah. And it says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now, the things written, of course, we have a book now today, hallelujah, with inspired scriptures. Scriptures being the Bible. Through patience and comfort of the Bible, of course, the book of hope, it will produce hope. How is hope produced? We need, we need to give these young people hope. Let's give them a Bible. Let's give them a Bible. There's Gideon Bibles, right, Michael? There's Gideon Bibles. There's Bibles here at the church. There's all kinds of Bibles. But, but people need hope. Let's give them a Bible. Let's offer them a Bible. Let's offer them a book of hope that will bless their life. Oh, they say, oh, that's too easy. No, it's not too easy. It's really good. <laughs> but there's spiritual battles, of course, right? The devil doesn't want that out there. That's why we have to persevere and do our best to keep reaching out to people. And I'm just saying this. If the school, this school district, but this, isn't, this is probably characteristic of the world, if there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that either thought about it or tried to end their life, and then think of that in the senior community, and think of that in other community, I'm just saying that every, every few people you meet on the street, that person's thinking something that they probably shouldn't do. And you are a person of hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a person of hope. This is all that we have to offer the world. This isn't a question of our church. It has nothing to do with our church. It has everything to do with the Bible. The Bible, the comfort of the scriptures, you might have hope. The Bible is a book of hope. The Bible produces hope. If you read it. So I, I, I can't produce hope by sleeping on my pillow. <laughs> Not I got the Bible. I can't do. I can just stand like this. No, no, no. You have to read the Bible. Amen. Myself included. When I read it, folks, I've had many discouraging things in my life. However, when I go back to the Word of God, it encourages me. It encourages me in my life. People have had bad reports and bad situations, and we've had health issues for many. For a lot of our lives, financial issues. However, we go back to the Word of God and it encourages us. The Lord will always say things like, I'm with you. I love you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes right now. I want you to hear however you would picture the Lord's voice. But He's going to say something like, I'm with you. And He's going to say, I love you. And in your spirit, man, you need to hear that. You need to hear that. Those things give us hope. And I say those things because they fall in line with Scripture. Jesus said, I will never leave you. God says, I love all the people of the world. Amen. Give his life for us, his life. So 
you realize I'm with you, I love you. Those are powerful things, amen? They're powerful things that minister to our lives. What's that going to help us to do then? You're not going to quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not going to quit. <laughs> you don't want to give up then, right? You don't want to give up. You don't want to, you don't want to just throw, throw away the anchor and say, oh, that's it. I'm not, I'm not going to believe that anymore. No, you don't want to do that. You want to hold, you want to hold on to what is true, right? Hold on. You might, you might feel blown around, but you want to hold on to what is true. You don't want to stop believing. You want to look for the promises of God that will help you in your life. Focus on the promises. So here's the world. Oh, you've got problems. Oh, you've got identity. Oh, this is too bad. Oh, that's too bad. Coddle, 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 coddle. No truth. The answer is in Jesus Christ. There is an answer. There's an answer. Romans 15, verse 13, says that we serve a God of hope. Now, this God is a Christian God. His son is Jesus Christ. He sent the Holy Spirit. So this is not any God. There again, the world gets all these things confused. Oh, we'll just, we'll just open the door and oh, we'll just have all these things. No, it's not the same. They're all dead. There's not another God who hears prayer because they're dead. They're made up. But Jesus Christ is alive, risen from the grave, seated at the right hand of the Father. He gives us the witness of the Holy Spirit. He is a God of hope, and he'll fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So we can still face these circumstances. I can still be in a storm, you know, but if I'm hanging on to hope, this anchor... I can still have joy and peace in believing. Notice believing that you can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit will say, Dave, Dave, go look at the scripture. Oh, wow. Dave, listen to what your spirit is singing. It's it's my spirit's praising God. Oh, wow. What a song. We heard one the other day, and I think it had to be decades since I sang the song. So God will, God will be speaking all the time by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us back to the anchor. His nature is to produce hope. That is his nature. And you can abound in hope, not just a little bit, but if you abound in it, what are you doing? You're just giving it away. Hey, God's bigger than what you face. God will help you in that situation. God is for you, not against you. Jesus loves you. A lot of, sadly, a lot of the Christian world, they're, they're kind of mean. You know, they're pointing fingers and they ought to just get right with God. And they ought to repent. And they ought to do this and that. It's like, offer them hope, right? Offer them hope. Offer them hope. Offer them life. The life comes through Jesus Christ. Now, now, what do you got to do with it? Well, first of all, you have to have hope. And then second of all, you, you need to give it away. And you might think, you know, I, I don't know anybody that's in those situations. You'd be surprised. Folks, all around us are people, you don't know what's going on in this space between their ears. But you can become a person of hope. You can help people at home, in your house. What, you sh- what, you sh- what should you do? Here's, here's blazing statistics. What, you sh- what you- should you do with it? Talk about Scripture. How does the Bible fit this? 
Amen? Amen. You should think about it in your job. People in your job that have needs and so forth. Reaching out to people. You should think about it in your home, on your job. You should think about it at school. Wherever you go. You tell, tell young people all the time, think about school. Look at other kids. You know, there's a lot of kids that are just wall huggers. You know, no friends, no nothing. Everybody needs a friend. Isn't that right? Everybody needs a friend. And of course, we have Jesus. We all need friends too, right? We all need friends. But we want to give that to other people. Now, folks, you can abound in hope. We serve a God of hope. This is something you can give to somebody else, even through sharing this with others, to help them in their lives. I just want to say it's not complicated. He's with you. He's for you. He's on your side. The scripture, especially the New Testament, is so good, will encourage your life. And it gives us an anchor. So, Father, I thank you today for your help. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to our hearts. Thank you for strengthening us, Lord, supernaturally. And, Lord, help us to be sensitive to the people around us. Help us to talk to others and have real conversations that are deeper than the world or sports or the weather or whatever but deep conversations, important conversations. Give us even words of knowledge or word of wisdom that we can share specifically with people. I pray, Lord, that this would happen in our homes, on our jobs, in our schools, wherever we go. Lord, I thank you for highlighting people to us that just need a word of encouragement, a word spoken to them that would give them hope. Thank you, Jesus. You do love everybody. You love everybody. Your grace is there for everybody. William O'Hare gets saved. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Lord, I thank you for what you've done and what you're doing now in enabling us in the ministry, all of us here in the ministry, to reach out to our world with the hope that you give us. And we thank you for this now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Reach out and bless your neighbor. All right. Praise God. Be good things here tonight also at the tabernacle. Glad you're here. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.